So today I'm coming to you with one of the world's leading experts on how to create and cultivate influence, how to create community and connection. And uh, he's going to be talking to us about how that relates to ultimately creating fulfillment, what really matters in life. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, have you join us for this one. Welcome to The Dream Beyond. I'm your host, Nick Tarasio. I'm a CEO, musician, and overall seeker of truth, inspiration, and simply put, how to live the most fulfilling life possible. Growing up surrounded by extremely wealthy and successful people gave me unique and unfiltered perspectives of those who have seemingly made it. And on The Dream Beyond, we're letting you in on what it really takes to achieve your dreams, what happens when it turns out your destination isn't the promised land you were expecting, and how to process the lessons from your past while mapping a course to true fulfillment. Let's get started. All right, everyone, please welcome John Levy. He's a dear friend, uh, and uh, I wanted to talk quickly about how we connected, and then I'll tell you a little bit about who this guy is, because he's a total rock star. Uh, first, we connected at an entrepreneur event where someone said to me, if you like adventure, you got to meet this guy. And we ended up connecting in a hotel room randomly while he was getting ready, putting on his, uh, you know, putting on his outfit, ready to blow everyone's minds, because the guy just looks like a million dollars everywhere he goes. You could tell by... That beard trimming is amazing, by the way. Um, well done. And so, yeah, he, we got into the idea of adventure and creating kind of these engaging moments, moments of delight, uh, and just messing with people's expectations and creating cool stuff. So uh, I think he and I really connected on that topic. He loves adventure. We ended up, I think it was what, we did four people that had no idea where they were going. You put them on a train. How did that go? How did you do that? Uh, so what I did was... I actually sent each person a riddle with a bouquet of flowers. And the riddle sent them to meet at a specific train station at a time. And then when we boarded, uh, when they saw everybody was there, we all boarded the train, went to the station right by your airport and hangar. And then we went to Block Island for a day adventure that you mostly led from that point on because. I don't really know Block Island. And you took us to like, what was it? A labyrinth. You took us to uh, some, we went some food. We went bike riding. It was just like a beautiful the farm. Day we went to the farm yes. with oh, the one-eyed donkey. Yes, Z-donk. It was a Z-donk. Yeah, yes. so it was a lot of surprises like that. So John and I connected in that way of just trying to create really cool experiences for people. And I mean, John's an interesting guy, as I said. So I'll give you a little bit of his background before we dive in. Uh, behavioral scientist, New York Times bestselling author, uh, mostly known for his work in trust, human connection, belonging, influence, and really specializes in, and I'm reading your bio, by the way, because there's so much stuff you do and I don't want to blow it, uh, really specializes in applying the latest research to transform the way companies approach marketing and sales, customer or consumer engagement and culture. And you work with everybody, right? Like you've got like the Googles. Oh, yeah. InBev, Samsung, like you mess with all the big guys. If, if there's like a big company out there, I've probably worked with them. Uh, and that's really because nowadays people are having a really tough time connecting with each other. And it's not yeah. surprising, right? Where a lot of people are working from home. And in general, since about World War II, the amount of social organizations and the amount of time we spend socializing has, has really reduced dramatically. And uh, so that's where I kind of fit in. Awesome. Well, beyond that, I, I really love your salons uh, and your dinners. 
which uh, again, the high level of that is John invites a bunch of incredible, incredible people to a dinner or salon, and they're not allowed to say their last name or what they do until later in the evening. So you're hanging out with all these people like, I have no idea what you do, but you seem pretty cool. And when you find out who it is, it's someone who runs some country somewhere. It's generally someone who's a uh, king or queen of the world somehow. So it's been awesome just to be in your orbit and meet the people that you've cultivated and really just your friendship more than anything has been a true gift. So thanks no, for carving thank time out to talk to us. And and I am curious, cause I, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but what was your earliest dream in your life? What did you hope you'd be when you grew up? Oh, wow. Uh, as a really little kid, I, I think I wanted to be an architect uh, or a transformer because like I'm talking really little because That's transformers really little, yeah. are awesome. Yeah. Uh, oh, some people in their twenties want to be transformers. So let's not I don't blame them. Optimist yeah. is like a superstar. Uh, so I think the the problem was that I, I wasn't really ever clear on what I wanted to be. Uh, there were things I wanted to accomplish. Right? I wanted to impact education. I wanted to help people see opportunities. But I feel like my career has changed three or four times. And I frankly have no idea what I'm going to be when I grow up. I, it pretty consistently, my entire career is about how do I connect with people and create meaningful relationships. But in, you know, 10 years ago, it was about helping brands connect with their customers. Now, much of my time is spent helping companies connect with their employees and employees with each other and help people create those really meaningful relationships that positively impact their lives and careers. So if you're, let's say, a startup and you want to connect with the right investors or the right customers, how do we actually do it? And uh, that's really what I've kind of focused on because frankly, Nick, we, we are lonelier than ever as a society. I mean, it is just yeah. staggering. Are you lonelier? Uh, I grew up really, really lonely. I think I'm, I'm less. Uh, I've focused on spending quality time with the people I really care about. And, uh, and that's made a, a profound impact. Um, I don't think I'm lonely. I mean, everybody yeah, gets I, mean, like I was going to say, it, I've never right. seen someone spend so much time intentionally cultivating meaningful friendships. And that's what I really like about what you've done is uh, it is really about friendships. I've always felt like I didn't have to put up a front in the kind of environments mm. that you create. In fact, it Thank almost you. felt like it was designed to strip the front of like, don't bring all your resume in here. Don't throw your accolades around. Show up as a human and connect to another human. So I, I really do appreciate that about you. Here's what's really interesting. I think it was research done at Columbia University's grad school program, like the uh, Columbia MBA. And they asked people, how important is networking for your success? And they ranked it incredibly high. And then they observed people at networking events because when you're in the business school, you go to a lot of them. And what they found is that nobody actually <laughs> met anybody new. Almost the entire time was spent with people they already knew. And when mm. you evaluate people's emotional relationship to the activity, their implicit association, people related to it as wanting to wash their hands, like they felt dirty from the idea of networking. What's interesting is the emotional relationship we have to making friends is really positive, which means that networking is not the way to go. The fact of the matter is that we don't like the idea that we are 
building a relationship just to quote unquote use somebody or gain something. We evolved as a species because we put effort into each other and there's a natural give and take. And that's what really makes us happy. I love this. Uh, so when I talk to people about relationship building, community building, or even networking, I emphasize don't feel bad that you don't like networking. It's completely not natural. Now, it just means that we have to change the context and the activities and the conversations that we have around. Because if you couldn't go to an event and walk out with 20 new friends, and maybe one of, them's, one of them has a business opportunity, great. It accomplishes what you actually wanted from networking without the negative feelings, but with rather a positive experience of relationship building. So I'd be curious to kind of build off of that because one of my questions for you today was really around the idea of, you know, again, your book is all about cultivating influence, um, which again, I think is all about creating connections. So how does uh, influence, connection, and fulfillment relate? Because that's really a lot of what my audience I'm speaking to is like, it's, yeah, a lot of people have the external successes, but there's something missing. So how, how do you correlate those two things? So I would argue that influence, your ability to have an impact on a person or an outcome is a byproduct of who you're connected to, how much they trust you, and the sense of belonging or community that you share. And the example I give is, if I'm not connected to you, it's really hard for me to influence you. It's possible. You just have to be really a lot more planned around it. Uh, the, even if I'm connected to you, if you do not trust me, why would you listen to a thing I said? Influence is in power. Influence people opt into. They aren't forced to do something. And the third is, you'll notice that you're more likely to do it if the community around you is already doing it or sees alignment around it. Meaning that if all of your friends are using the iPhone and you're using an Android, it's a matter of time until you're probably going to switch to iPhone. And so... That in its base characteristic is kind of what, what influence is. It's your ability to connect, build trust, and create a sense of belonging around something. Now, how does that relate to fulfillment? Well, when we really look at the research on fulfillment, there's that famous Harvard study that's been going on for 80 some odd years. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Where they followed, yeah. it was all guys because I think back then there were only guys at Harvard. but when they examined all of kind of the predictors of the things that mattered, uh, satisfaction and happiness comes down to meaningful relationships. So your ability to have meaningful connections, high levels of trust with them, and really a sense of safety and belonging, to feel heard and to feel safe, that's going to have a massive impact on the quality of your life. And I think one of the great examples of this, if you're really willing to take a look, is actually Amish culture. And I know it's a bit of a funny direction to go. Uh, have you ever heard of Rumspringa? No. It's So apparently, I'm not an expert on this. Uh, in many Amish cultures, at a certain age in people's teenage years, they leave the religion for a year or so and get to experience the world. And they do drugs and they party and they go all out. 
And at the end of that year, they have the option to rejoin the community or enjoy the, the rest of the world. And overwhelmingly, almost everybody comes back to the community. And is there a why behind show, that? I, I think the why is that when push comes to shove, for human be beings, belonging is probably the most important thing. Like, have you ever heard of Maslow's higher order of needs? Sure. Yeah. You know, it's on the bottom is like water, food, shelter. Yeah, the basic survival Have you ever needs. heard of somebody's, I'm sorry? I was going to say the basic survival needs, right? Like, uh, I got to have yeah, a house. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of somebody starving themselves in order to fit in? Like they want to be skinnier, so they're more liked? Uh, yeah, a few times. Yeah. Right? It's like kind of cliche. Yeah. So it kind of shows us that belonging may actually be more of a base need than even food. That's interesting. I've never thought of it from that lens. And so if we look at how to punish people in our society, what we do is we put them in solitary confinement. We say, you can't be around people. Or we say, you're in exile. You're not allowed to be part of the group. It's devastating. And when you look at the great predictors of you living a long time, as nice as it is that you might go to like Barry's boot camp three times a week, what's a far, far greater predictor is number two, strong social ties, the number of close friends and family. And number one, social integration, the number of people you come in contact with in a day. And so really everything that matters to us comes down to meaningful and valued relationships. So let's continue down that because what, what's coming up for me as you're saying this is, I wonder if you've experienced or have thoughts on the idea that as someone climbs the ladders of success or climbs the mountain of success, right? It's a smaller group on top and you actually belong mm -hmm. less in society. And so I often wonder if success by nature removes that sense of belonging and then it's a much more difficult and challenging circumstance to create that sense of it. I mean, and that's what you're doing at your events, right? You're saying like, let's strip away all those things that actually, though you're great and though you get all this attention, when you're, when you're the author, not the reader, you're in the minority. So I would, hmm, I would say that there's a few interesting paradoxes. From a research perspective, I haven't looked at the specific work, but apparently there's something called the power paradox which is the skills necessary to get into a position of power aren't necessarily the ones that are displayed once people are in power. So to get to power, you have to be liked and you have to be able to get consensus and all these things. And then once you get into power, there's kind of this inverse reaction where people feel like they have all the control and everything. Uh, so I think that from one side, there is evidence to suggest that people's behaviors actually change the more successful they get, right? And there's that cliche phrase, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. Uh, and it's lonely at the top. I think that there is that possibility, but it's also, I think, a factor of how you got there. Were you the type of person to build community and belonging along the way? Were you the type of person to develop relationships 
outside of your industry or across. So that maybe you're the one fostering belonging at the office, but the place that you and the community feel the most is maybe at your mosque or synagogue or church or your yoga studio or with your family. So there's lots of places you can go for this experience of belonging. And there are a whole collection also of private communities where the people at the very top actually hang out. Now, I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not a president or something like that. I don't hang out there. Like, but I think that there's something to what you're saying, which is that the more successful you become, the more pulls there are on your time. And the less of that time seems to be spent with the people you love the most. And I think that that has a risk. There's probably also a place where you have so little that you have to dedicate all of your time to make money so that you can support them rather than actually spending time with them. So there's probably like a nice mid spot there. I don't know what it is though. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, thinking about that, you know, again, it's growing up around private jets. I've seen a lot of people that had everything, but just seemed very lonely. They feel they, they seem very isolated and like, or it, maybe it wasn't even loneliness. It was more that I'm surrounded by people that want something for me and I know it. And so that trust can, piece wasn't there. Can I flip the model for a second though? Yeah, absolutely. So I generally say that there's an inverse relationship between money and community. And the reason is that community uh, occurs when people invest effort into one another. When you invest effort, you feel ownership and belonging, right? Like you matter. The wealthier you are, the less you tend to expect others to contribute. So if I have nothing and I'm having a baby shower, then all of my friends chip in and put effort. If I am really wealthy and I'm like, oh, we're doing a baby shower. I got everybody massages and we're going to the spa. Everybody's off doing their own thing. We're not actually connecting. So I think that there's something to that, which is if you go luxurious and ignore what actually causes us to connect, you can isolate. But I also want to throw out the flip side, which is, I was at a conference, not a conference, uh, an event done by an organization called the Creative Coalition. It's a group of celebrities that go and advocate for the National Endowment for the Arts every year in Washington, D.C. And it's writers, actors, musicians, it's all these celebs, a lot of them you would recognize. And I went along as an author. And the president of the organization is giving a speech, and he said, a lot of people talk about celebrities and say, what right do they have to give an opinion on politics? Just act. You sound like an idiot. And he pointed out, one, one of the great things about this country is that everybody has a right to express their voice. And the second is that acting is like any other industry in the sense that you could end up with absolutely brilliant minds. Mira Sorvino is, I think, like a PhD in uh, Asian cultures or something like that, or Chinese economic, like, you know, and Sharon Stone is in Mensa, all the way to complete and utter morons. And the expectation that 
just because somebody was good at making enough money or inherited enough money to afford a private jet would mean that they figured anything else out is an unfair expectation. I think you'll find some people who are incredibly lonely in every industry because people are just lonely right now. And some people who are incredible at connecting others and hosting great events. And so I think that you'll find a range anywhere you go. A lot of powerful ideas and ideas in there. I mean, even for me, as you're saying it, I'm like, oh man, do I try to buy away some of the actual like heavy lifting of relationship building at times, right? Mm -hmm. Like even as a company, it's like, oh, well, I want to make sure everyone's needs are taken care of versus like maybe the need is actually more of my presence. Right? Maybe or that need maybe is more it's not even just your presence. Maybe the need is to do less so that others do more so that they feel invested and care more. That's interesting too. So like not coming in and being the hero, just saying like, I trust yeah. you, you do it. Yeah, because then, or figure something out. If you're in trouble, give me a call, but I trust you. Here's your budget yeah. or something, right? The, the reason I say this is that, let's say even in business development, your, your customer, might actually enjoy the experience more when they invest a little bit more effort into defining the experience. A, a simple example is, uh, I don't remember which food company it was, they, they opened a make-your-own-pasta station at the, on site. And so people would pick which pasta, which toppings, which sauces, all of it, it would be made in front of them. And the return rate was essentially near zero because once you've made all the selections and the decisions, you feel really invested in it. And it was yours. You were the one that made the decision. So you better be happy with it. And so it's actually people's investments of effort that cause them to care, not interesting. the opposite. It sounds like boot camp in a lot of ways, right? Like once people go through boot camp, yeah, yeah. they're like, I had to work for this. This is this has inherent value and worth to me. Not only that, for human beings, and this is really funny, when something is good, we remember it as good. But there's also a lot of cases that when something is bad enough, we remember it as good. So you hear people saying, oh, I lost all my money, but I earned it back and I'm better for it. Uh, I'd prefer not to go through that. Are they actually better for it? They're in their brain, they are totally convinced of that. You will not be able to convince them. Otherwise, they're not fooling themselves. It's actually they view it as better. And that's wild. But that's how we are, which is that we value the things we put effort into and the lessons we learn from it and the growth that we experience from it. Interesting. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to again follow that thread to. For people that are kind of climbing the ladder still and trying to figure out, you know, hey, we're in a world of Instagram and influence and all that and monetizing our Instagram pages. Mm -hmm. I'd love to understand more of what determines whether influence goes down the road of, you know, being fulfilling, creating something that matters versus it's just empty. It's actually almost you become a slave to the influence machine that you're trying to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So I think the key here is to separate two really important things. One is influence, my ability to have an impact on a person or an outcome, and to separate that from audience. 
audience tends to be a one-directional conversation. Maybe there's some comments back. But here's the interesting thing. If somebody is an alcoholic and they go to Alcoholics Anonymous, they can go to a meeting anywhere in the world and feel belonging. They're participant. They invest effort. If I drop off, let's say you have 100,000 fans on followers on Instagram, those people aren't meeting up without you. <laughs> There's no actual community. If you're the Girl Scouts of America, of the USA is the technical title, then there are meetings. People are investing effort. If the CEO of the Girl Scouts stops working on a particular day, the meetings still keep taking place. The community is actually there. Those friendships exist even if the meetings aren't taking place. That's community, right? If the Pope retires, the church still exists. So I have a ton of respect for people who can make incredible content on social channels. It really is an incredible skill. But let's not confuse that for a second with building community or creating a sense of belonging. Because although people might love what you say, although it might even impact their lives, it's different than you having a meaningful relationship with somebody. And so if you're going to go down the path of building a massive social media um, audience, you have to be really sure that you are emotionally stable enough to handle the whims and the ups and downs of the likes and the lack of likes and the follows and the lack of follows and the unfollows and all of it. Because then you're no different than the New York Times. You're dealing with subscriptions. Uh, in your experience, the people who are generally optimizing for and craving the social following, mm -hmm. would you say that the driver that makes them go there is the exact reason why they shouldn't be doing it because it is about an external validation? I think that it's a complex question. Uh, and I'm not qualified to, to speak to what's actually driving people. Uh, I think that it needs to come with a really serious warning which is that that kind of validation is known to increase rates of depression, isolation, and it causes people to focus on things that aren't necessarily healthy. And you just have to know that you are mentally, you have the mental fortitude to handle it because otherwise you're playing with fire. There is an incredible potential for people to build thriving businesses and you know, thriving audiences on these platforms. But you just really have to ask yourself, do you want friends or followers? And you can have an incredibly successful career doing something just slightly different if you focus on building the right relationships in person. And then net-net, it's probably way more positive. I'd rather have 100 close friends than 10,000 followers. Yeah. I mean, I think you hear these stories of, um, like I look at like the Colbert's of the world, right? These people that all were friends in these improv troops, and then you see all of their careers bloom together. And I imagine yeah. that was exactly that. It's the rising tide of a circle of friends. Yeah. It's, uh, and when you really look, most people get their jobs through friends and, and social ties. And don't get me wrong. There've been times when I've gotten speaking gigs and stuff like that, because I posted 
something, but I'm very clear I'm producing content for a platform. Whether somebody likes it or not has nothing to do with me and my relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway from everything you said, which I really, I mean, it makes me question a lot of the ways I've shown up in my life and what rooms I've ended up in and why is really going back mm -hmm. to is, is my time intentionally put to cultivate meaningful friendships? Because it sounds like of all the strategies to create a fulfilling, successful life, that that may be one of the single most important things. Here, here's what I really like about it is that when you actually break down most people's strategies for success, they're completely not reproducible. You listen to like these guys like Grant Cardone and, or even try to reproduce what Bill Gates does. And it's completely useless. It worked one time for one person with a specific set of personality traits. It's kind of a waste. And then yeah. they'll spout out a bunch of kind of BS explanations that may or may not be true at all. Like when you look at the research and compare it to what they say, it doesn't really stand up. In the meantime, there is virtually no doubt that our relationships matter. And regardless of how introverted, shy, extroverted a person is, everybody's capable of having relationships. It's just a matter of what scale. So it seems from a, a relationship standpoint or a strategy standpoint, relationships really stand out as kind of like this very clear a number one that matters it's the who not the how so i'd be curious to know a little bit deeper into that is like i i look at my time and again i'm surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurs and people that put way too much time into their work which leaves very little time for the other stuff for the friendships for the family for the hobbies for the gym for all that stuff what advice do you have for someone that does have limited time to do that? Like, how can I make sure that what time I do put into friendships, it has the maximum impact and meaning. And, and when I say impact, obviously it's depth of connection. It's not like I want to get something from them beyond that. Um, but I'd be curious to know what you'd offer. Can, to can some, I you know, emphasize something? It's yeah. also okay if you want something from them. You can be friends with somebody and have a real desire to, let's say, start a company with them or hope that they invest in your company or, you know, a million other things. It's okay. Like human beings can't, human beings can't uh, survive without each other. It's just, we're not designed that way. We're not the fastest. We're not the strongest. We survive because we invest effort into one another. So my biggest recommendations are pretty simple. One is research suggests that we kind of max out at five really productive hours a day. <laughs> After that, we're kind of just futzing around. Uh, so ask yourself, okay, when I stop being productive, how can I shift gears to either reset, get some rest so I can be productive? Or is there a relationship I can invest it into? The second is I try to combine relationships with all the things I already do. So I'm not a big fan, and this is going to sound funny, of meals with people. And the reason is that they often feel like interviews. And I also stop eating rather early. So I'm like the jerk who would go to a meal and then not eat anything. Uh, but 
I am a huge fan of taking walks and exercising together. There's significant evidence to suggest that if we go through the experience of a workout together, we'll like each other more at the end. And so instead of somebody saying, oh, can we hop on Zoom together? I go, you know what? I have a workout at four o'clock at this place. Do you want to meet me there? We'll work out and then take a walk. And then we end up liking each other more and feeling more connected. And we might only spend 30 minutes talking just like on Zoom, but I get to feel like I did something healthy for myself and they feel more bonded to me in the process and vice versa. That's brilliant. Uh, the th third is take the things that you already love and bring people around you around them or join groups that already exist. You like hiking? Great. Set up like a standing once a month, every sat first Saturday of the month, we hike this trail. Anybody's welcome. We're going to talk about our careers and what we're dealing with. The halo effect of being around each other and talking to one another and starting and stopping conversation and the activity itself allowing you also to be quiet and think while you're walking suddenly allows for a, a sense of connection and community. So what would have been also a really nice activity that you would have enjoyed by yourself now becomes community building and even potentially business development. In the book, I go much deeper into this and how you would do it for companies and organizations. But the key here to realize is that relationships are the basis of our, and it, I'd say sleep and relationships are kind of like the basis of our health and well-being and our happiness. Everything else is the, also the things that we do to support that. And that doesn't, I'm not trying to take anything away from the satisfaction of success and, you know, the, like the concern of fame and all that. You can have all that too, but realize that, that I don't think people really regret being like, wow, I wish I spent less time with my kids. <laughs> I wish I had fewer friends. It's not the kind of thing that we're wired to say. Yeah. We really end up being happy that we have meaningful relationships. So kind of bringing it to a close, I'm, I'm curious specifically about you is, you know, again, whether you're not, you feel it from the outside, man, you are a very, very successful person in those things that really yeah. matter, the friendships, the impact you have in the world, the way you help other people, that beard. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff there working for you. So my curiosity is, uh, you know, again, to the name of the show, what is your dream beyond? What do you dream about now? Hmm. So I, I'm going to be a father in May. Uh, and I am spending a lot of time thinking what are the lessons that I'm going to pass down and what's going to be useful to make this little girl's life incredible. And uh, I'm, I'm really preoccupied by that. And I bet my answer would be different if you would have asked me six months ago. Uh, my answer would have probably been, how do I create deeper bonds between the people that I've hosted? I've hosted over... 2,500 people at my dinners uh, and several thousand more at my salons. And I, I'd i look at how to bond them more so that they could create a greater impact. That's uh, kind of been a big focus of mine. Well, first of all, congratulations. I know you told me a couple of weeks ago, but uh, again, it's just so Thank huge. You. Um, and it's really a beautiful I'm, I'm super, super excited. Just, I'm not... Yeah, it's what we just spoke about, right? Like it comes back to the meaningful connections. I can't think of a more meaningful connection than a father and his daughter. Uh, 
Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to the intentionality you bring to that role as well. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be amazing at it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just I from this, the kind of the big thing that I take away from what you said is it's amazing. Like you're bringing science to one of the most simple concepts since the dawn of time is just like be connected to other humans in a meaningful way, be a good person, have deep, fulfilling connections. That's what makes life worth living. Um, and sleep. I heard that too. And sleep. So I'll oh, find yeah, someone yeah. who can talk more. It's really hard to be happy if you're totally sleep deprived. It's just, you, you can do a little bit better with less food, but like sleep is just, you're a train wreck without it. Yeah. So thank you for that. And again, this was very meaningful for me and I hope, uh, hope the audience really loves what you shared as well. And, you know, again, if you're curious more about it, yeah, I'm going to hold up the book. You're invited. It's a great book. And again, the whole back section of the book is really about how to apply a lot of these principles and practice in different mediums. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, again, thank you for taking the time and, uh, again, grateful to call you a friend. An honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the dream beyond. I hope that you received whatever message or inspiration you were meant to get from today's episode. I had a great time recording it for you. If you love the show, please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review it. That really helps get the word out. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at instagram.com slash nickterrasio, linkedin.com slash in slash nickterrasio, or youtube.com slash nterrasio.